Hey friends, welcome to our digital space. On This Girl Life, we're trying to figure life out. And there's no better way to do that than with your best friend by your side. So join us each week as we bring on experts to help us navigate This Girl Life. All right, here are your hosts, Whitney and Kristen. It's TGL Tuesday, and we're back with episode 57. Welcome. Woo! Thank- That's funny. Did Chris- we both do that? This- <laughs> I did not woo. Wooing is your thing. <laughs> I'm basically like Vicky from Real Housewives of Orange County. Does she- oh, she woos a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I only watch um, Real Housewives of New York, so I wouldn't know. Oh, we how have we not discussed this? You don't watch any of the California Real Housewives? I don't. Nope. I literally have Beverly Hills paused over the computer right now because I was watching it before we got on. I started watching Ladies of London. <gasps> I love Ladies of London. It's so good. So good. Makes Until one moved to Dubai, and then I was like, you're not in she's, London anymore. Oh, yeah. She's the best. Um um, I'm blanking. Pregnancy. Um, Caroline. Caroline. God, she's fantastic. Spoiler alert. She's divorced now. I know. Such a bummer. Okay. I don't know how we just got off on that, you guys. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Kristen? <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing freaking fantastic. <sighs> I just totally lost my train of thought. I'm trying to pull up. Guys, this is our life. Whitney and I were trying to talk earlier I couldn't even like remember my friend's name. Like pregnancy brain is so real right now in my head. It, it is a very serious thing. Like it's, okay. it's very serious. It's all right but though. We are talking with Emily today, guys. So before we dive into her whole interview, it's so great. She's a pelvic floor therapist. So I know probably a lot of you don't even know what that means because I didn't. Yeah. She's basically here to give you some helpful tidbits for your lady bits when they're falling to bits. <laughs> did you like that? I really – did you think about that for a while before? Yeah, I did. I really thought really that over. <laughs> it's a good one. Thank you. She helps with all things pelvic floor related, and we'll let her explain what that is. But it's really exciting. And for someone like me who pees when you sneeze sometimes – was very insightful. Yeah, I know. I'm worried about my second C-section scar. And I know I, I talked about that in the episode. I'm worried just about pain with that. And so we kind of, we hit every avenue in this episode talking like, even if you're not a mom, let's say you're like 60, 65 and you listen. Um, yeah, we're talking everything. This whole episode applies to just being a woman. So, right. Or if you're like 16 and you have pain with your period, like this can help with that too. So it's super informative and it's honestly just a topic that no one talks about because who wants to talk about like farting when you stand up? Like that's not fun for anyone. No, it's not, but it can be helped, which we learned today, you guys, that you don't have to be gassy all the time. (laughs) And you don't have to pee when you sneeze. Yeah. So we hope you love this episode. Um, it's kind of a short intro, but that's okay. Sometimes you just have to have a short intro. <laughs> we can't sit and talk to you guys forever, okay? We have lives too, okay? <laughs> so we hope you enjoy this episode with Emily. Let us know what you think in the comments of our Instagram 
We love hearing your thoughts. If you guys have questions for Emily, we talk to her and she's super willing to answer any questions for you guys. So any questions you have, please let us know on our Instagram and we will get those answered for you. And for all of the Denver mamas that listen, she is in Denver, so she's local. So if you need help specifically, reach out to us via TGL or me and we'll get you guys connected with her as well. Me being Kristen. That was Kristen. Me being Kristen. Yes. yes. That's Kristen's Sorry. voice. People tell me they don't know who we are, like, all the time. So oh. even Hi my guys. mom. I'm Kristen. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I came out of your vagina. Okay, you should know my voice. <laughs> and with that, here is episode 57. Okay, Emily, I have a question. So how do girls start thinking about needing a pelvic floor therapist? Like what are the questions they're asking themselves when they sit in their room at night thinking, hmm, I think I need some therapy down there? So I think uh, for the majority of people, I would say what cues people to the, I think in general, it's not a very well-known topic. And so um, what makes people think about it the most is if they're like leaking with coughing or sneezing um, or having pain. Usually those are kind of the two main things that I see people really willing to bring up to providers and um, are more aware of themselves and things that I think that we uh, tend to kind of shove down and not know that they're abnormal are things like issues with bowel movements or um, kind of more complex stuff like that. I think a lot of those things we just kind of assume are normal. Um, but yeah, I would say majority of people, the first thing that they bring up to uh, their providers are, hey, I'm leaking and I know that's not normal or I'm having pain with sex or just day to day at my hips or my back. So that's kind of, I would say, the first thing that people recognize. And what is technically pelvic floor therapy? Like, what's a good definition? Because I, I know what it is, but I mean, to like let everyone know, what, what is yeah. it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, the most fun appointments I have where people come in and say, I don't even know what the pelvic floor is. <laughs> and so, um, and that's more common than you think. I think a lot of people just have heard the term and um, haven't really dug into it much deeper than that. But really, it's, it's the muscles that make up the bottom part of our pelvis. And uh, they have a bunch of functions. Um, there's three layers of the pelvic floor. And the outermost layers, those do more of our bowel and bladder control. And the deeper layers are more for pelvic stability, um, hip strength, and for sexual functions. So those are kind of the, the main components of those muscles. But truly, it's just a grouping of muscles at the bottom of our pelvis that do have a lot of um, influence on symptoms like hip mobility, hip pain, back pain, um, sexual appreciation, bowel and bladder stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not any muscles that we can see though, really. So I think that's why people come in and say, I've absolutely no idea what muscles are. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So for the, we, our listener group, we have a lot of moms and we have a lot of women in there, you know, early to mid thirties and the moms that are sitting there saying, every time I sneeze, I pee. What is the tipping point to needing therapy because like I'm 33 weeks pregnant. So like, let's be real that that just happens because I have a huge baby sitting in me, but like, what's the tipping point? Like when should they be like, okay, this is more than just a casual leak. This is more than just 
I sneezed and a teeny drop came out. Right. Um, you know, a common story I hear with a lot of my patients that have issues with that anyway are ones that were that would say things like, oh, I have a small bladder. I've had to go to the bathroom often my whole life. Road trips are miserable. We have to stop every 30 minutes to an hour. And I think that that is something that's been really normalized um, for people. And it's not normal. It's just common. And so that's kind of a that'd be like a myth. I know um, we'd kind of talked <laughs> about maybe some things that we're going to talk about down the road, but Uh, That would be a myth about the pelvic floor. So same thing with coughing and sneezing. Truly postpartum, I mean, the first few weeks, and like you're saying, you know, like leading up to um, your delivery date or your due date, you're going to have moments where you're just, there's a ton of pressure. There's a ton of initial weakness and your body is still regenerating or healing and, um, or kind of accommodating the baby. But I think, you know, somewhere around that four to six week mark, truly we shouldn't be having those issues postpartum for sure. Um, and even in the early part of pregnancy, I mean, really, we shouldn't be having those issues either. And so I do feel that because it's funny, I feel like pooping and peeing are kind of silly topics to talk about, and it's really easy to joke about, but it's way too normalized for women. And I think a lot of people are suffering and going, you know, I've had women come in, I go to a workout class and my IP and my whole leg, like my leggings are wet all the way down to my knees, you know, and they just, so then they just don't work out because they don't, they think it's just, this is my life now. Um, wow. So yeah, I would say, you know, anywhere around that month timeline, that's usually when I'm getting patients in the door and we're starting to work on this stuff. And how old, um, how, like, that that kind of sounded bad, but for (laughs) women who are not like, post-baby, I mean, let's say women in their 60s, 65 who are dealing with incontinence, is this something that can help them as well? Because um, as a nurse and and what I did as a nurse, I dealt with a lot of women who had incontinence and I, you know, they always were on medication. I don't think they were seeing someone like you. So is that an option for them too? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's truly just a function of, so there's a lot of other things that can complicate this, obviously, but on a very simple level, it's truly a muscle function. So, um, you know, certain women can have different diagnoses that you may have heard of, like interstitial cystitis or um, other more neurologic issues that create uh, a dysfunction with bladder. But in general, it's truly just a matter of weakness. And so it's retraining those muscles or a lack of coordination. Um, so some women have too much tension and they can't control the muscles or some are just truly getting weaker. Um, and I feel like those sphincter muscles on the outside tend to go first. And so, um, issues with incontinence is super common, especially as we get older, but it's not, again, it's not normal. And it's definitely something that we can at least improve if not totally take care of with pelvic floor therapy. Gosh, the depends and cotex of the world are cringing as you, are attempting to Absolutely. cure. <laughs> take, there's, that some, is, there's some wild stat, like 90 some percent of all measures to take care of incontinence are just palliative measures. So like using depends, using medications, that, that type of thing. I'm like, who the F wants to wear <laughs> depends, guys? Absolutely. Like, nobody. Like, I'd I, much rather hang out with you for a while yeah. and get taken <laughs> care of. <laughs> Absolutely. I try to make it as not weird as possible. So so, better than a pap smear. <laughs> there are a lot of things that are better than a pap smear. But, okay, so walk us through what happens 
in, you know, the first few appointments when someone comes to see you and what that looks like? So usually, um, you know, this is a very sensitive subject. It's a very sensitive subject, a very sensitive area of your body. And so I try to, um, the first visit, we're really more than anything kind of talking and just trying to figure out, hey, where are these symptoms coming from? Because a lot of people are coming in with a lot of trauma and pain as well. I mean, it's not just uh, the urinary or bowel function, but um, so we're just talking, kind of figuring out when are your symptoms happening? Do you have issues with um, bowel, bladder, water intake, food, intercourse? Do you have any like past surgical trauma, other kinds of trauma? And just trying to get a good relationship going. Um, I think a lot of this is about trust. And so, you know, I'm never pushing someone to do something that they're not comfortable with visit one. So it's very different, I think, than like your typical gynecological gynecological appointment um, that it's like, all right, we're going to shove the speculum in and we're doing this quick and we're going to just get it over with. Um, and not saying that that's, they're trying to be harsh in those appointments either, but it's a little more gentle. So we're talking through things, talking through symptoms, and then kind of figuring out, should we check more? at your hips first, at your stomach, at your, you know, should we talk more about what your diet is and habits, or should we actually check just muscle strength and look for things like weakness, tightness, uh, scar tissue, and working through some of those things to help the muscles be at their most advantageous position. So what, I'm, I'm curious what, like some of the work you do for, you know, the women there. And then I'm also curious, is all the work done just in like the sessions or are you sending home like at home exercises? So kind of what are some of the things you might do to like strengthen those muscles um, Mm -hmm. on the inside, I guess? Yeah. And so it's, it's uh, (laughs) right. Let's get Um, specific. (laughs) Yeah. Very specific. So, so typically for most people, I will do an internal exam. So that's either going to be vaginal or rectal, depending on what they're coming in with. Um, it's just a finger exam, though. It's not like using a device of any kind. It's not using a speculum. But um, And so for people with a lot of pain, we're just maybe checking the outside of the pelvic floor. And I can feel through those muscles if they are breathing correctly, if they're activating correctly, if they're pushing down instead of pulling up or whatever. Um, And so usually there's an internal component. Often we're doing some trigger point releases, either external or internal or both. And then kind of depending on on the person's comfort level, if I feel like it's a tightness thing, if it's too tight, we will send them home with relaxation exercises and breathing exercises, stretches that help influence the pelvic floor. If they need strengthening, we're sending them home with strengthening exercises for not only like Kegels, I think the old school thought of pelvic floor therapy too was, okay, go home and do hundreds of Kegels all day long. And that's not really, that's really gone out of practice. Um, And so it's more working on coordination of those muscles, working on hip strength, working on abdominal strength, looking at their movement patterns and their breathing patterns. I'm getting people up and they're doing jumping jacks in here and they're doing squats and showing me, you know, oh, I leaked when I did that. I'm like, okay, let's work through your breathing and let's work on your positioning. So Um, it's, I would say pelvic floor too is very like whole body. You're really looking at how they're moving in general, how they're breathing in general, 
Um, and then there's just so many things that influence it. So in like basically your trunk to knee region. Um, so yeah, there's some internal component that's not the whole thing at all. And it doesn't even have to. I've had many patients that have come in. We've done some external releasing, either hands-on or with dry needling, and then um, adding in exercises. So, This is a selfish question. Does the psoas play a big part in like that area? So like tight. Function. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's a, that's a common muscle that's tight with pain. I would say that's not going to be a muscle that's well. Okay. So I should take that back. So often the pelvic floor will be too tight if the hips are too weak or vice versa. So the hips or the psoas or like your butt muscles, anything along that, those lines may be too tight to make up for weakness at the pelvic floor. Um, and you may have pain and tension with any type of, you know, pressure on the pelvis or with bowel movements or with trying to pee, um, if you have specific hip weakness. So sometimes by just adding in simple hip strengthening, we don't have to release as much at the pelvic floor. And that's done, like I said, either by me doing it hands-on or there's a couple devices that I can tell people how to teach them how to use them that you can use for internal releasing. So, okay. Yeah. Got some psoas. Yeah. Well, no, I have hip dysplasia. So I like, yeah. Yeah. So I was in therapy for like, I don't know, two years or something trying to strengthen. I had such, you know, loosey goose hips, but what's funny is I've never really experienced pelvic pain or, you know, constipation or anything that really goes along with that. So, and to be, and even after my first kid, I haven't, I haven't dealt with, um, incontinence or anything like that. So I'm kind of surprised because I have such messed up hips that, (laughs) and that might, and that might be something that you would be a patient that maybe, you know, you worked with an ortho PT for a long time and you were still having pain. Um, but maybe not with anything like vaginal penetration with intercourse or, um, with day-to-day movements that you would notice it's pelvic floor. But if we did it an internal exam, we may be able to relieve some of the pain that you were experiencing more from the hips from what we're feeling at the pelvic floor, or maybe there could be, you know, some just coordination issues that if we work on those, then it's going to take away your pain from other locations. So it's not that you would even notice it. It's just, um, yeah, they kind of, they go together quite a bit. So can you do pelvic floor therapy pregnant? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I'll even, I'll needle and, you know, you're using precautions, obviously we're not going to needle your stomach for very obvious reasons, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, so you do releases and you do working on strengthening and, um, I'll do that with a lot of my gals coming in, um, to work on like stretching the perineum to get them ready for mm-hmm. vaginal delivery, if that's their goal. And kind of teaching them then to, okay, this is a stretch sensation, honestly, just to almost normalize it and get them ready for Mm -hmm. that. Um, Hey, you're going to feel this. And we're just going to try to work on how to breathe through that. And sometimes more just like a desensitization thing versus actually working trigger point. Mm -hmm. As I sit here and my hips are just like aching. Right. (laughs) I'm like, can you relieve some of that? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, I'm curious, so many girls have endometriosis and, um, I'm curious how, um, pelvic floor therapy can help the symptoms of endometriosis or can it? 
it's it's a common diagnosis that we get because with endometriosis, you're getting a lot of inflammatory factors in your body and it's creating, um, you'll just see reflexive pelvic floor tensing. Um, it's kind of like if you hurt your shoulder, you'd be tensed up through your neck and your arm as well. So anything we can do to kind of calm the pain down. So obviously there's a lot of medical side, there's a huge medical side of treating endometriosis, but from my standpoint, you're working on relaxation techniques, calming techniques, um, like down-regulating your neuro, your nervous system so that you're not super amped up and tense all the time. Cause that's going to create excess pain, um, through muscle trigger points and tension. Oh, so that's a lot of it is yeah. working on just calming down. It's so cool. I, I'm so glad we have you on because honestly, I feel like this is not like tapped into enough, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just such an adjunct therapy, but it's like a really cool and could really help people. So we're like, we have to have her on (laughs) and we love having different ways for people to deal with their pain than just putting them on a med. And we've had a lot of people on to talk about, you know, the whole body and how we can help you know, by changing lifestyle and things like that, how it can affect. So just to have another option for people to relieve some of that pain Mm -hmm. without having to just suck it up or try meds. Like it's such a cool eye opening thing that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. And until I heard about it from one of your patients, like I didn't know, you know, like I had no idea that, that it was a thing. Well, I think too, people, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a weird area of your body to like talk openly about. And so that's kind of what I love about it. Like my whole job is just trying to get people to feel comfortable and, uh, tapping into stuff that they don't feel comfortable talking to anybody else about. And then usually by the end of our sessions, kind of like the, the person you're discussing, you know, they're like, I'm telling all my friends, (laughs) this is so great. And it just, that makes me so happy that it's the basically advocacy for like our own bodies, taking control of our own bodies. And it's not going to fix everybody, but it, it really is a huge piece that I think has been missing for a lot of people's general health. Yeah. You just talked about, um, how you kind of work with girls who are going to have a vaginal delivery with stretching and getting them prepared. What girls do you see coming to you, um, that have had C-sections? Like what are the problems they, um, cause I'm a C-section. Kristen's a mm-hmm. vaginal delivery. So what could I maybe need you for? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so I think, so it depends too. There's a lot of women that end up doing C-section because they were pushing and just not progressing. And that's a lot of, I mean, and just pregnancy in general is a lot of stress and tension on your pelvic floor. Um, and so I think just making sure that the muscles are back working correctly um, and coordinating well and doing all that. But on top of that, I do a lot of work on C-section scar tissue needling or, you know, a lot of women, once they have that cross-sectional scar, then they develop diastasis. And, and so we can work on abdominal strengthening in like a safe and, uh, appropriate way so that they can get back to doing all the day-to-day stuff. And I mean, it's, I feel like it's, there's misconceptions, I think, between which one's easier between a vaginal delivery or a C-section or whatever that may be. And I think it is not discussed enough how hard it is to have a huge incision on your belly and then have to go to taking care of a small kiddo when you go home. So I'll have some women, if they know that they're going to have a C-section, they come in actually before and we talk through, okay, this is how you're going to get up from sitting. This is how you're going to lift. This is how you're, you know, do more, more functional mobility Yeah. Um, kind of training. 
been talking through um, what that's going to look like for them and when they can start re-strengthening their stomach and when they can start strengthening their hips and walking. And Yeah, yeah. that was definitely – I mean, my doctor gave me obviously guidance, but again, I mean, you don't think – it's so nuts, you guys. You don't think like I told my husband, you're not allowed to be funny. Like laughing was the worst so part. It yeah. was like I would hold my Scott my incision. Um, I'm just like, don't be funny anymore. Uh, so <laughs> there are things that um, you do need to walk through, and I don't think a lot of people get guidance on that for a C-section. And I'm all about right. being prepared for a C-section, even if you think you're having a vaginal delivery. Totally, you have to be prepared to have a C-section because yeah. I think that's when it's almost the most traumatizing when you've prepared for one thing and then you have to do another. Right. So and emotionally traumatizing too. I'm sure. Like it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in. So yeah. Well, it's so funny. Like you are done having a kid, vaginal or C-section, and they're like, "Great, you're in the hospital for three days. Bye." And they never check in with the mom again. You know, like. And so I think being our own advocates in that and being like, "Hey, like, this is still causing me pain, or I'm still doing this." Like I think that's a cool thing that you're bringing awareness to. So props to you. Well, thank you. We were talking earlier, we were kind of talking about some topics and you brought up difficulty getting pregnant and its correlation to the pelvic floor. So I would love to kind of hear how that affects it because on TGL, we talk a lot about fertility issues and we've had people come on and talk about it. So I would just love to hear kind of what that correlation looks like. Yeah, I think uh, more than anything, a lot of it is stress related. So if you have a stressful environment that you're trying to, have an egg implant into, it's going to be difficult for that to be a successful thing. Um, so I, I would say I see a lot of women that are also doing, you know, fertility, they're, they're seeing a fertility specialist and working through that, but then we may also be working on de-stressing and pelvic floor tension and kind of creating the, the happiest, healthiest pelvic environment for them. And so that looks like good exercise and guiding them through where they need to be strong and where they need to maybe let their muscles take a little bit of a break. Um, and part of it too, I think is, you know, as much as I think there's a bit of, you know, they say a lot, like when you stop trying is when you get pregnant and it's, and it really is about like giving your body, just like giving yourself permission to just relax, I think a little bit. And so that's, I mean, obviously overly generalized, but that's kind of the thought behind what I can help with is hopefully reducing tension and, and making the body in just less of a stressed out state. Yeah. I mean, we're all stress cases. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I, I am myself not to make, you know, not to pinpoint it on anyone. Um, <laughs> What is, what's some at-home things that we could do, like, post-pregnancy? Is there anything you'd be like, oh, at home, yeah, try this. I mean, you don't have to come to me, but try this out. And I, it just, um, yeah, there's a lot. So I think that um, just in general, the, the basic, the most basic thing I teach to people, visit one, no matter what they're coming in for, is working on good breathing mechanics. And then trying to work on activating the pelvic floor a little bit. Obviously, if you have too much tension, we're not going to have you do like strengthening, but it's always good to have good coordination of your muscles. So um, 
And then I would say beyond that for pelvic floor mobility is just doing kind of some simple stretches. So ones I give a lot are like a butterfly stretch or a child's pose stretch or laying on your back like a happy baby, knees towards your chest. So anything that brings the knees up towards your belly um, and then maybe like knees apart a little bit is is good for stretching and relaxation and giving that area a little bit of room to breathe. Um, and then breathing in those positions is really great. So that should just feel kind of good. And uh, for activation, it's more maybe sitting up and working on tightening from the back towards the front, lifting up towards your center, holding it for a second, letting it go, and just trying to see if you can even feel those muscles activating. Um, so a little bit of both. You should feel relaxation with the breathing. You should feel tightening, obviously, as you're breathing out and doing the tightening from the back towards the front. So that's kind of like very, very simple. But and beyond that, just general, general exercise is just so good, like moderate intensity, walking, uh, elliptical when if people have those at their homes right now, but when we had gyms, uh, before, um, yeah, just kind of getting the hips moving is super good for the pelvic floor. It brings blood, blood flow. It helps with, uh, getting the muscles to activate. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. What is one resource that you can recommend to our listeners who maybe want to learn more about public floor therapy or something that you love as a resource about it? Yeah, there's a couple really good Instagram accounts, actually. Um, I don't know if I know them off the top of my head, but I could absolutely give those to you guys to list out. But there's <laughs> a couple. Um, one is called the Vagina Whisperer. I know that one, which is a awesome. great name. Um, <laughs> and she is based, um, I believe, in like New Orleans, maybe. And she um, she posts a ton of stuff about just general pelvic floor tips. Um, cool. Like, and even how to use, you know, diva cups or anything along those lines, of what to expect after pregnancy. Um, and then... There's an there's another one that I can get you guys the name of, but it's about st strengthening after after baby in particular. Um, there's more. There's a lot of content on the internet geared more towards pregnancy and postpartum with mm -hmm. regards to pelvic floor. There's a lot less that's readily available for um, pain or like endometriosis or interstitial cystitis or anything along those lines. But I think it's getting more prevalent. Um, we have on our website for our clinic, we're in Denver and we only treat public floor at our four locations. Um, we've got a couple blogs up on there talking about both pain, um, men that come to see us, women, uh, pregnancy, postpartum, running. And so that would be, um, I work at N2 Physical Therapy. And so we've got a couple of those resources available on our website as well. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, show yourself out and where we can find you and your clinic. And Absolutely. And yeah, for sure. And it's such an important thing. I'm so glad that you guys are making this more aware for women in particular, because it's just not talked about enough, honestly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And we will share all of the resources you talked about today and your information on our website so everyone can find that information there. Perfect. Thanks so much.